And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Episode 65 of Down on the Docks. My name is Chris Neff, and I'm joined what? as always that was Chris Neff. by my producing partner, Dave Sarah. How are you, Dave? Hello. Uh, do you think you... Uh, Hello. No, oh, it doesn't work for me. Damn yeah, it. it does. It's not going to work for you. <laughs> um, Halloween episode, bro. Yeah. Do you realize this is our second we're Halloween special mm-hmm. episode? We're doing it on Halloween. Yep. Um, so episode 65 is right down the corner, uh, right around the corner. But uh, Down the corner, <laughs> around the Okay. Before we get there, just a reminder, if you enjoyed this Halloween episode, you can go back all the way to episode 12 and hear our first Halloween oh special, boy. Killer, pretty... Killer Legends. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. That's yeah, pretty good, actually. It was, it was scary. So we're going <laughs> to... We are recording this on Halloween. Uh-huh. It's trick-or-treaters outside of my house. Uh-huh. Uh, cats are inside, of course, because Dave already told you. Firecrackers in the butthole. That's when people steal cats on Halloween. Mm, so everybody's accounted for. Um, so uh, a lot to get to. Uh, before we start, Dave, uh, what? how would you describe this podcast to somebody? Chris. What is this podcast all about? Well, you watch documentaries i love documentaries and then uh you come here and you try to explain it to me and then yeah, i try to make more jokes. to it it's a little more there's to a that. lot to it what's the point of the show that we make sure that we get sponsors at some point <laughs> okay and the goal is and i make money i am trying to convince you to watch one as well oh yeah that's right that's a big part of the I show never watch them yeah so uh we are currently uh zero for like 60 on you watching five yeah, 64. but we, technically we break oh, yeah. up the show well, a little right. bit, so it's probably like oh, zero yeah. for forty-five. Yeah, um, anyway, think about that. Um, th- that was a good pitch. That's <laughs> yeah. what the show's about. Great so, pitch. Dave, before We're good at this, before dude. we start today's podcast, can you tell our listeners out there what they can do to help us out? Go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, five star review. Tell us how much you hate us. You can also go on Spotify and leave a review. On By the each way, message. published a bunch this week. Nice, dude. Yeah, there were five of them. Nice. So dude. thank you. We'll yeah. shout them out to you at the end of the That's show. The best By the way. way, but we interact on Discord. Find us there. You can yep. also uh, find us on Twitter at Down on the Docks, on Instagram at Down on the Docks Pod, and then you can send us an email down on the Docks at gmail.com. That is correct, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one last thing before we yes. jump in. Can you please let our listeners know who graciously sponsors this week's episode? This week's episode of Down in the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, established in 2016 San Diego. By the way, Broccoli Farms 619 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. San Diego, California by Candace entrepreneur Anthony Bird, our friend Anthony. Nice guy. Never met him. Great guy. Never met him. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. How many times did I say cannabis in that sentence? Three, four, maybe five. Four. I think four times. You know what? That's also my fault. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego. And bong reps. Bong reps. Okay. Dave, I'm super excited for today. By the way, yeah. I know what bar none means. Okay. It's not bar none. Uh-huh. It's barred none. Barred none? 
I think so. No, it's not. So let's get into today's show. Uh, it is called The Devil on Trial. Cool. Just came out. Al Pacino? No. The, uh, just came out 2023. It's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's directed by Chris Holt. So you can watch it this week if you have Netflix. Wow. It's, Fucking Chris Holt, dude. Yep. Who's so, that? Uh, he's a director. Oh, great. So this film begins, and we hear the sound of a cassette tape. It's kind of like whirring in the background, you know, those old-fashioned reel-to-reel. Well, not really. It's just a cassette tape. Okay. And then we hear some... <laughs> and then we see the cassette tape, and it's labeled Brookfield Case. Ooh. And it's sub-labeled Possessed Child Speaking Vulgarities. Dated 8-14-1980. Elapsed time, one minute and five seconds. Then we see something flash up on the screen that says... This film contains recreated scenes based on documented events. And then we hear... <laughs> and then we see pictures of what seems to be like an almost unconscious boy. Okay. He's got really sweaty skin yeah. and matted sweaty, hair. Wow. And he's being held down awesome. and restrained. Sexy. And he's like... No! No! I am your mother. And then oh my gosh. <laughs> that was the mom. That's not the boy. And then we see another note that says all the audio recordings and photographs are real. Okay. Okay. So then all you hear is this. You're a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> and Jesus then a man comes Christ. up and he says, what we have here is so a confrontation between good and and evil. And the place that evil picked was Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That would pick it too. Goes. So all oh, the hate and evil goes. The first person we meet New is, Cane in Connecticut. is a gentleman by the name of David Glatzel. Okay, so it's present day. He's mid-50s. Um, and he was the boy that you heard possessed by the devil. But now he's he's in real time. So he's like, I'm saying he's probably like ah, 55 now. So he's fine. Yeah, he's fine so now. nothing ever happened. He's fine now. Ever. Okay. Nothing ever happened. Ah, you can wait ever to hear, wait to hear about to it. He's just trying to cope with a diddler in his life. And possibly. Okay. But he says, my name is David Glatzel. When I was 11, I was possessed by the devil. Now, just to give you some ex <laughs> presentation, guy's kind of heavy set. He's sitting in a chair. Looks like a normal house. But he's got he's got one of those wrist things that looks like you need him for like bowling. if you're bowling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sure. I'm guessing he's a bowler. Yeah, I bet. So <laughs> next we hear a male TV reporter and it's bowling vintage. Bowling with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> a bizarre murder trial gets underway tomorrow in Danbury, Connecticut. The crux of this case is a claim of uh, demonic possession. We hear another reporter. That's what an attorney for a Connecticut teenager will try to prove. Well, next we meet a man named Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, present oh day. Now, he's like 60s. Well, we find out that he is the boyfriend of a woman named Debbie Glatzel. Who Glatzel. Was, was David, who we've already met, David's sister. Okay. And he said, why, why am I here? And he said, well, you just killed your friend. What? Yeah, lots to, lot to jump off at right Whoa. at the beginning. 
Another reporter, a man who was arrested last month in Connecticut for murder, says that he will plead innocent because he was possessed by the devil at the time he committed the crime. Well, we also meet uh, news director Mike Allen, and he says, are you kidding? There was drinking. There was stabbing. This is an open shut case. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Another reporter. The tale really begins in the house at the end of this driveway where the Brookfield couple, whose 11 year old son, began acting strangely. Well, David says, I don't like to be remembered as the 11-year-old boy that was possessed, by the way. Who would? I mean, okay, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that's something you would? don't want getting around the neighborhood. No, you're you know right. what I mean? No, you're right. You will die! <laughs> 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 but should get but, these controls away from but you, But I got to deal with it every day. Well, then we flash back. Um, schizophrenia? What's that? Schizophrenia? No, no, he has no, to no. deal with every day. We're gonna right, go right, even back further. Okay, to young Arnie Johnson. Okay, young Arnie Johnson. Way back, and Arnie Johnson is the the boyfriend of Debbie, mm -hmm. David's, right, 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 right. David's sister, yeah. and he says, "You can't Cheyenne. hurt God's child." Jesus is gonna die in hell. <laughs> well, David says. I have never spoken to anybody about this. It's a secret. It's a dark secret. Well, we suddenly uh, hear people praying. Well, huh? then, uh, I mean, it's a dark secret. How, how does everybody know him as the 11 year old kid that was. You got to be, be patient. I'm okay. going to tell the fucking story. Okay. We hear people, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us our daily bread. Ah, uh, then all of a sudden, you hear this. <laughs> You're gonna die. Title card: The Devil on Trial. Mm -hmm. Well, back to David. He says, "I would love to tell you my story about the possession and the murder of Arnie Johnson. I'd like to make sure my family is portrayed with the accuracy that it should be. I know some people have fabricated some stories, and I'm not happy with that." So I want to set the record straight. When I was 11 years old, I was quiet. Life was good. Playing with my brothers. Best time of my life. Well, now we meet the middle son, uh, Alan Glatzel. He was a fucking asshole. Don't <laughs> let him dig in, make you think otherwise. He's lying about everything. That's I the middle son. I was the middle child of the boys. Typical middle child syndrome. I have an older brother named Carl. He was not the easiest brother to get along with. He was kind of like an idiot at times. Made life difficult. Well, a little bit of a devil. <laughs> let's meet Carl. A little the, devilish. The oldest brother. Alan back in the day was just different. David and I would help my father and work in the garage and stuff. And Alan really didn't want to get dirty. He had these fucking horns and was red all the time. It was weird. <laughs> so he stayed with my mother most of the time. You know, he could bake a good cake. I can tell you that much, but he's just a little had bit. Had a lot of soul in it. But he's just right. a little different than us. By the way, I was a middle child. Totally tracks. I didn't like to get dirty. I'll hang out in the house and bake the cake. That's, I, I get the middle child syndrome. Yeah. Well, David says back then. Bake the I wouldn't call us an all-American family, but I would never say we were as normal as we could be. It all started when my sister Debbie found a house in Newton. 
she was going to move in with her boyfriend Arnie. Well, Arnie says Debbie and I Strongest were man in the world. All right. Debbie and I were very excited to move in together. We had plans on being married that spring, and we were working towards that. We couldn't wait. We couldn't wait. So let's go to July second, nineteen eighty. Arnie says Debbie found a really nice house in Newton for us to rent, and then David says I was a little sad to see him move out. You know, you're eleven years old. It's your sister. Me and my older brothers, Alan and Carl, ended up going over there to help him move in. It was a weird house. There was just something really off about it. Mm. Well, we're going to meet Debbie. The walls are crying. We're, it's time to meet Debbie. Uh-huh. She's the sister. Now, here's what's interesting. We don't meet her in the same film setting that we're meeting these people. We see her from a vintage interview. Oh, boy. Speaking in 2005. She died from diabetes. She's not in the picture. So yeah. that's what's really cool. When this thing starts, you're like, okay, Debbie got wasted. She yeah, nah, <laughs> something's she, happening. Nah, she's she had a wedding in Des Moines to go to. Well, De- <laughs> she's like, I can't show up for this Netflix shit. <laughs> so I got oh, I'm a cater here. waiter. <laughs> she had to wait. She had even worse. She had to go to Des Moines to set the tables. I assigned each of my brothers a chore. I sent David into the master bedroom and handed him a broom and asked him if he could sweep up for me. I left him in there alone, and then I started doing what I had to do, scouring and cleaning. But after a while, David came running out. He looked upset, and I didn't know why. Well, Alan says, David said, Mom, I want to go home. She's like, I can't leave. I told you, we'll get this done. As soon as we can, we'll go home. He's like, I want to go home now. Well, David says, I just wanted to get out of the house, off the property, away from it as far as I could. But I didn't tell anybody the reason why. Well, Alan says, we got back home, had dinner. Everything's fine. My mom was an excellent cook. She was Hungarian and Italian, so she knew how to cook. But David was having a bad day. I've never known Hungarians to... Okay, never mind. I get that Italian part. Cook slop besides goulash? Fucking, I don't know, dude. Something was bothering me. Potato pancakes? And I just said... I guess cutlet. The fucking... The Hungarian foods really got you going. (laughs) They do sausage and cutlets and shit. All right, go on. What's wrong with you? Well, David says, I remember sitting at the table and I started explaining what happened. Well, we see a flashback earlier that day when he's in the house cleaning, and it's a very well-done reenactment. He says, I was in the bedroom on my own, but I could feel something, and then I was pushed backwards on the bed. We see this. He just goes flying back on the bed. I seen this image. It looked like the devil from a Halloween costume. His eyes were black, solid black, just like a chunk of coal, and it scared me. Well, Alan says, David said, this entity spoke. And Debbie, this is from her 2005 interview, she said, I said to David, what is this figure telling you? He keeps telling me, beware. I said, beware of what? And he kept telling me, he wants my soul. Mm -hmm. Well, Arnie, boyfriend of Debbie says, I want that little soul, girl, my girl. (laughs) Give me that little soul. He said, he's going to come for me. That's what he keeps telling me. (laughs) <laughs> I, you got to help me. I said, Dave, did you touch anything in the medicine cabinet? Oh, God. 
He goes, no, this is for somebody, real. Somebody asked me that once a week. <laughs> yeah, me. When you're over here recording this podcast. Dave, why am I out of Soma again? That's, I really need that for that's my back not pain. That's true. None of that's true. Anyway, Arnie says, we didn't believe him at first. Well, Alan says, my mom's reaction was, it was late at night. Maybe he was dreaming. Well, when I'm watching this, I was like, this is going to be sleep paralysis. Yeah. Okay. You ever had it? Oh, yeah. Dude, is there anything worse than sleep paralysis? I got sleep paralysis. I've had it before. And then more recently when I took his annex, okay. I had a form of it. I don't think you know what sleep paralysis is. No, but I've had sleep paralysis before. It's the most terrifying shit it, in the world. Yeah, where you basically your eyes can barely open and you, can, you can't move. You can like kind of jiggle a little bit here and there and then you have no choice but to go back to sleep. But you sleep yeah. and you're in the nightmare again. Yeah. And then when the nightmare happens, you're frozen and you can't move. And then you wake up and maybe you're lucid for a couple of seconds. And you're like, okay, I'm going back to bed. And then the dream starts up again and you're frozen. And it's just a, a cycle that never ends. It's terror. Dude, the one time I had a sleep paralysis, I was sleeping in my car for about an hour or so waiting for between classes. To the, to the BAC to reset. <clears throat> mm -hmm, that's right. <laughs> between classes during the day. And so I remember waking up and seeing black and white for like five That's seconds. That's called a cop car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but the only thing I, way I can um, uh, uh, explain is like sort of looked like a uh, a negative of an of a of a photo photo yeah. photo negative uh -huh. and uh, you're coming down. I no, I was no, I was not fucked up. I just remember waking up seeing that like that for about five seconds and then yeah. it, slowly going back to normal yeah and and not being able to move low grade acid and i've going, been there going back going back to bed and being fine 20 minutes later anyway it's hell but that's yeah, what i'm thinking is. what's going on with this kid and arnie says judy said okay enough of this it's time to go to bed and get some rest we'll deal with this in the morning well david says later that night i got a sort of weird feeling i just had this image there was something coming I started to get scared because I could see it coming closer towards the house. They show him looking out the window. He says, you can feel something watching you. I thought I saw a figure. When I look again, there's nothing the there. It was a creeper. <laughs> I stayed up in the dark with my eyes open most of the night. Now, it, this is shot Cocaine. so well. <laughs> this is shot so well. <laughs> it's the, you know, he's got a little toy like fire truck that just, you know, the lights go on. It kind of reminded me of Poltergeist in a little bit of that. One. And I'm thinking, okay, so the house is going to be haunted. Is that what's going on? So Arnie says, Judy was worried about David. So she called Father Dennis up to let him know what was happening. She That's asked when the him, haunted snake entered my asshole. <laughs> she asked him if he could come bless the house. And possessed me. Well, David says his mom was very religious. She made us go. She made us go to communion and confirmation as Catholics. We did believe in God and the devil. When Father Dennis had come to the house, he brought some holy water, uh, some holy oil, and some incense, and you know, use that to bless the house, every sure. room, upstairs and downstairs. Yeah. And that always takes care of things, right? Usually, yeah. You got to really get the corners, I guess. <laughs> Alan yeah, says, really, "Dude, I'm not even joking." Yeah. The first time my girlfriend and I. My ex-girlfriend uh, did uh, mushrooms together. It was, uh -huh. her, it was her first time. Yeah, we went to her. Uh, her parents had a house in uh, Palm Springs. We go to the house. She sages the house first, 
Which what a dirty hippie. And it, like she remembers reading on the thing to make sure to get every corner. She was trying to get pregnant. Like this is where they can hide out. She was yeah. Dude, it made the experience so terrible. We had to resume shrooms outside because the whole house just fucking smelled like sage. It was uh-huh. unbearable. Yeah. Don't it was terrible. Don't date dirty hippies. Fucking dirtiest hippie, dude. Anyway. Clean pussy though. Okay. No, uh, you know, no I'll tell the story. No I'll, okay. All right, go on. Alan says, we <laughs> thought it was over and done with, but this was just the beginning. It was three o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, David was screaming at the top of his lungs. He's coming for me. He's coming for me. This is what Arnie's saying. He's going to punish me. These all sound like Van Halen lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you ate one too. <laughs> He's coming for me. He's gonna punish me. Well, David says the house rumbled, like somebody had drove a truck into it. It sounded like a UFO was literally landing on top of the house. Oh, Whatever it was, it wanted you to know it was there. Lights begin to flash on and off. You'd hear the glass falling, breaking. Arnie says David was frantic, and he was screaming. He's here. <laughs> he's here okay he's over the house david's like don't open the door it's evil the banging went on for 30 maybe 40 seconds and everything went quiet and alan is petrified okay we got a ghost problem he says and we don't know what to do with it at this point well arnie says we knew we had to find some help now this is pre-1985 there's no Ghostbusters. So who are you going to call, Dave? Fucking Liza Minnelli. <laughs> I don't know. Alan says, at that time, our next door neighbor, she was She's into, got a scary face. She was into tarot card reading and stuff like that. She said, you know, my mother-in-law, she said she had gone a couple of years ago to see a psychic investigator. Maybe she can help. Debbie's like, take help from anyone at this point you mm-hmm. ever have you ever read tarot cards uh my ex-girlfriend yeah i know so I, that's how i got into it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh but she always did the ones that didn't have like any of the negative shit it was all just positive so shit. no like ace of cups i don't know seven know. of swords and i don't know the know. tower I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. No idea. Yeah. All I remember is doing a pussified version of it. i i actually everything was positive buddy i actually paid for some online tarot card oh, readings. Fucking gay, dude. <laughs> dude. I went there. Holy shit. <sighs> yeah. Well, Don't tell anybody that ever. I just dude, didn't. Let's take that, slip you that out, edit cut it that out. out. Hey, cut it out. That's what love <laughs> can do to you. <laughs> oh, okay. I was only, you're in love with the palm reader? No, no, the no. The palm jacker? No, I was going through some 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 intense stuff. And oh, I was wow. like, I need some outside help to you wow. know, know if this is. How old were you? It was like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got to be longer than that. It was like four years ago. Four years ago. That sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, Debbie uh, says... That's fun, though. Yeah. I mean... We I, got money. That's fun. Oh, buddy. Guess how much it was a month? You Monthly yeah. subscription? <laughs> yeah, guess subscription. how much. Guess how much. <laughs> Forty nine nine. No, bro. Eleven it, eleven. Uh, eleven bucks and uh, no. Eleven eleven. Eleven eleven. The angel oh, sign. Oh my god. <laughs> eleven eleven. Holy shit. Well, that's more than what I spend on uh, you know, my less than what I spend on my subscription. Back to Debbie. I don't even listen to half of them. We weren't gonna let no entity, no ghost or anybody run us out of the house. That was our house. And we were gonna make sure that whatever was there, we were gonna get yeah. it. One way or the other. This guy really sounds like a stand-your-ground kind of guy. That's Debbie. 
Okay, well, she sounds like a standing your ground kind of guy. All right, so we're going to flash back to a TV show host who says, Our special guest tonight, who in their 32 years as ghost hunters, have investigated over 3,000 cases of haunted houses and demonic possession and have been involved in numerous exorcisms around the world. Listen closely and make up your own mind as we present to you, ladies and gentlemen, the ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, do you know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are? Don't know. Just a little brief overview. Sure. We'll discuss some more in part two. Sure. They're kind of unremarkable looking. They're unremarkable middle, looking. They're, they're middle-aged. They're just... White. You see them and you forget them. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's kind of dowdy looking. Uh, what does but that she, mean? Just like pl- plain Jane, you know, nothing nothing too exciting. Yeah. Uh, but she's got a lot of makeup. She wears her hair up, uh-huh. kind of like in a like beehive. A, like, a pa- like a Palin? Yeah, kind of like a beehive. Yeah. And hus- How's your beehive doing? Um, mine's wrapped. A husband <laughs> is a little pudgy, um, but he's kind of stuffy looking. Looks a little self-important. Uh-huh. Well, next we meet Chris McKinnel uh-huh. in present day, okay. and he's the grandson of Ed and Lorraine. When was this made? This was made a month ago. Great. You just said that. Yeah. Okay. He says, I was so proud to see my grandparents when I was growing up. I would see them in newspaper or on television. It was just so cool. But on the other hand, I was also the weird kid because I had these creepy grandparents. (coughs) Well, Ed, who is a ghost hunter and demonologist, which we're going to get into shortly, he says, the truth of the matter is, I did not wake up one day and say, I want to be a demonologist. I was born a demonologist. Okay. As a boy, I would ask the nuns and priests, uh, Show me your... (laughs) Show them to me. (laughs) Lift that skirt a little higher. (laughs) Higher. Hold on. I can almost see the ball of your ankle now. (laughs) Anyway, he says, What is this about ghosts? The supernatural? Is it for real? Are there really devils? And of course, you know, Catholicism teaches us that these things are real. Now, Dave, I Cruise. had never heard of a demonologist. Yeah. So if you don't mind. Sounds like a Bigfootologist. If you don't mind, uh-huh. give me a little Simpsons music. Bring. Okay. I thought we have technical uh, difficulties today. We don't have the sound. Oh, oh that's right. Um, one more time, because. Bring. Simpsons. Okay. We're going to talk about demonology. Yeah, I didn't know it was a title. So okay. it's yeah, a I study. Mean, it's like ufology, ufology, ufology. Well, it's a study it's of fake. demons. Yeah. <laughs> it's fake with religious belief and myth. Yeah. Okay. Now, depending on the context, mm-hmm. it could refer to studies within theology, religious doctrine, or occultism. In many faiths, it co- concerns itself with the hierarchy of demons. Ooh. So demons can be like non-human. Yes. Yeah. We're going to talk about jinns because I yeah. never heard of it until I read that. D-J-I-N-S. It's coming up. The jinn is, the D is silent. We'll get to the jinns. Okay. Demons can be subhuman, non-human, excuse me, non-human, separable souls, or discarnate spirits, which have never inhabited a body. Why well, don't they sh- eat meat anymore? I don't know. Is that a joke? Discarnate. <laughs> Stupid and retarded. I'm t- I'm continuing. Continue. Sharp distinction. <laughs> Stop. I'm laughing. It was good. <laughs> Just go. A sharp distinction is often drawn between these two classes, notably by the Melanesians. 
several African groups, and others. The Islamic, what? Jinn? Let's <laughs> go. Okay. Yes. Like a Karin for, or a Karen. You just hang on. Yeah. I, no more Karens for me, by yeah, the way. Yeah. For example, are Karens, not. Dude. Did you really talk about Karen? Yes, we're going to get in there. <gasps> no way. That's amazing. Are not reducible to modified human souls. Well, Dave, according to some societies, all the affairs of the universe mm -hmm. are supposed to be under the control of spirits. Wow. Each ruling a certain element mm -hmm. or even object and themselves in subjection to a greater spirit. For example, the Inuit are said to believe in spirits of the sea, earth, and sky the winds, the clouds, and everything in nature. Every cove of the seashore, every point, every island and prominent rock yeah, they're has dumb. its guardian spirit. Really fucking stupid. All the potentially, all are potentially of the malignant type. Yeah. To be... Um, I got something malignant. Uh, propitated by an appeal to knowledge of the supernatural. Traditional Korean belief... Posits countless demons mm -hmm. inhabit the natural world. Mm -hmm. They fill household objects. Yeah. And are present in all locations. This makes sense. Okay. I have a leaky iron. Been thinking it's a demon for years. Uh-huh. By the leaky thousand iron? Yeah, it leaks water. What iron? What do you My mean? You, you, you wouldn't know what it is. It's something What's that you use to uh, make a shirt look straight. Oh, shit. Wait, so, but why is it It's leaking out and you, you can hear it leaking? It's leaking water because there's a fucking Korean demon in there. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no ticky, no washy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Greek philosophers, okay, no such ticky, as no the porphyry of Tyre, as well as the fathers of the Christian church, held that the world was pervaded with spirits, the latter of whom advanced the belief that demons received the worship directed at pagan gods. Okay? Now, not all spirits across the cultures are considered malevolent. For uh -huh. instance, in uh, Central Africa, mm -hmm. you got the, uh, the Mongwe. Cool. And they believe in local spirits. Sweet. Just as the Inuit do. Uh -huh. But they're regarded as inoffensive Okay. They're like good spirits. Yeah. Many spirits, especially those regarded uh, regarding natural pro uh, processes, are often considered neutral. <laughs> okay. Fucking pussy ass, milk toast, fence sitting ass spirits. Or benevolent. Uh, ancient European peasant fears of the corn spirit would crop up, <laughs> no pun intended, during <laughs> irritation. It's Mexican. As a result of the farmer infringing on the domain of that said spirit Fuck and yeah. taking his property. We got a lot of corn spirits in LA recently, haven't we? By cutting the corn. Uh -huh. Similarly, there is no right. reason why the less significant pantheon should be regarded as malevolent. And historical evidence has shown that the petara of the Dyaks are viewed as invisible guardians of mankind rather than hostile malefactors. Mm. Now, Dave, did you know there's different types of demons? Yes, I did. Okay. <clears throat> so you've got your angels. Yep. They're in the Christian tradition. Christian tradition. You got your malevolent. Yeah. Malevolent. Okay. And this says Jenny or familiars, mm. but it's spelled with a G. And then you have three. Is it Guinea? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> such as uh, receiving a cult. Uh -huh. E.g. ancestor worship. And then fourth, you've got ghosts or other malevolent revenants. Cool. Excluded are souls conceived as inhabiting another world. 
Yet, uh. just as gods are not necessarily spiritual, demons may also be regarded as corporal. <laughs> you got your vampires. Right. You got your fucking Walmart. <laughs> you got your <laughs> Walmart spirits. Your <laughs> fucking Nvidia spirits. Shit. That Nvitskis, dude. <laughs> fucking Nvitskis. Fucking spirit. All right. Back to the vampires <laughs> as an example so of a uh, classic corporeal spirit. Okay. Um, now, of course, they're described as uh, human heads with appended entrails, oh. which issue from the tomb to attack the living during the night watches. Oh, pleasant. Then you have the incubi and the uh-huh. succubi. Uh-huh. They're from the Middle Ages. I did a couple succubies. <laughs> <of the day. laughs> they're sometimes regarded as... Continue. I'm sorry. Okay, the incubi and the succubi, um, they're regarded as spiritual beings, but they were held to give proof of their bodily existence, such as an offspring though often deformed. <laughs> Belief in demons goes back many millennia. Yes. You've got the Zoroastrian faith. Uh, you ever hear about Zoroastrians, yep. Yeah. Do you know that's one of the oldest religions? I, were we talking about this? But yes, you know, they, they don't even let people in, really. <laughs> I think from what I like, recall... It's like very like native people, and they, it's like nepotistic. It comes from Iran back in the day. Is it now? And it, they dated, I want to say, Zoroastrianism between, sometime between the 16th and the 5th century. There's oh, wow. currently mm. about 100 to 200,000 uh, practicing Zoroastrians. Now, the Zoroastrians, okay. they said there were 3,333 demons. Okay? Some with specific dark responsibilities, such as war, I think the guy only knew how to draw one number. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> well... We're going to talk about the ancient uh, Mesopotamian re- religion. Now, you know where Mesopotamia is, of course. Yes. The Fertile Crescent. Yes. Iraq. Iraq, I think, yeah. believe is where they kind of so they believed, where it is. So they believed that there was an underworld called Kur, K-U-R. Mm. Now, it was home to many demons, which are sometimes referred to as offspring of Arali. Mm-hmm. Now, these demons could sometimes leave the underworld and terrorize mortals on Earth. Mm. One class of these demons that were believed to reside in the underworld were known as Gala. Mm-hmm. Their primary purpose appears to have been to drag unfortunate mortals back to Kur. Cool. They are frequently referred to in magical texts. And some texts describe... That's why Hollywood makes the Met Gala every year. <laughs> they fucking, they're trying to... They're trying to... Call on to the demon of the to Kur. Bring, to bring the Hollywood back to Kur? That's right. Or is Hollywood Kur? Yeah. Anywho. All of it. Um... That's kind of how they work. That's cool. Uh, let's talk about Judaism. Okay. They do not have a demonology. <laughs> let's not. They don't have a demonology or any set of doctrines about demons. Yeah. Now, use of the name Lucifer. Some might think that they're the, the demons, <laughs> especially those Iranian folk that you were just talking about. Iranian folk. Okay. Yes. Uh, use of the name Lucifer stems from Isaiah mm. in the Bible, mm. um, a passage which does speak of the defeat of a particular Babylonian king to whom it gives a title, which refers to what in English is called the day star or morning star in Latin, Lucifer, meaning light bearer, from the words lucum, fairy. I didn't know. Wow, this is, they don't, they make Lucifer sound pretty cool, actually. There is is more 
than one instance in Jewish medieval myth and lore where demons are said to have come to be as seen by the Gregorian angels of Lilith leaving Adam. Uh, of demons such as vampires, unrest spirits in Jewish folklore, such as the the book. Now, that's why you got to burn the book. We're gonna talk about Christianity. Okay, so Christian it's here for my Christian dogs. Well, out there. you got the seven deadly sins. Yeah. Okay, so Christian oh. demonology is the study of demons. It's, from uh, a what Christ- is it? Sleepy, stupid, <laughs> stopy, grumpy. It's the one, you know what it is? What is it? I just remember the last one from the movie Seven. Detective! Sloth, greed. Detective! Sloth, greed, something. All right. I suppose supposedly Las Vegas spells them all out. Anyway, it is primarily based on the Bible, meaning Lust. the Old Testament and New Testament. Anal. The exegesis, the all right. exegesis of scriptures, the writing of early Christian philosophers and hermits, tradition and legends incorporated from other beliefs. Some scholars suggest that the origins of early Greek Old Testament demonology can be traced to two distinctive and competing mythologies of evil, mm-hmm. Adamic and Enochic. Mm. So the first tradition, the Adamic, ties demons to the fall of man caused by the serpent who beguiled Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I guess you could say Adamic, but you don't want to make it sound like academic. So I'm going to keep calling it Adamic. So um, that's the first one. The other Adamic. Tra- the other tradition. Adamic. The early Enochic tradition ties demons to the fall of angels in the anti- Deluvian period. Is that the Nephilim? This work is going to look weird. The Nephilim. The tradition bases its understanding of the origins of demons on the story of the fallen watchers led by Azazel. Scholars. Azazel. You know Azazel? Sure. News to me. Scholars believe these two enigmatic. I guess it could be Azazel. Enigmatic figures, Azazel and Satan, exercise formative influence on early Jewish demonology. Mm. While two distinctive and often rival trends tied to this distinctive etiologies of corruption and latter Jewish and Christian (laughs) denominological denominological lore. Demonological. Yeah, demonological. (laughs) Man, there's a lot of six-syllable words you want to put now. Multi-syllabic words. Thank you. Anyway, our both antagonists are able to enter each other's respective stories in new conceptual capacities. In these later traditions, Satanial is often depicted as the leader of the fallen angels, while his conceptual rival, Azazel, is portrayed as the seducer of Adam and Eve. Uh, again, while historical Judaism never recognized any set of doctrines about demons, scholars believe it's post exilic concepts of eschatology, angelology, and demonology were influenced by Zoroastrianism. Mm. So that's kind of cool. Then it all goes back, you know, to the fucking where it all started. (laughs) One of the oldest religions ever. That's right. That fertile crest. So let's talk a little about Islam. Sure. Islam has no doctrinal hierarchy of demonology. Mm. Even though some Muslim scholars tried to classify jinn yeah. and juice. <clears throat> just seeing if you're paying attention. Just seeing if you're paying attention. Okay, no, it's funny because you even 
That was pretty funny. Between jinn and demons, there is no established classifications and terms for jinn may overlap or be used interchangeably. Naming the jinn also depends on cultural influences. So, um, do you want to hear how they break down? There's the angel who's a pure and good jinny. Fucking guinea. <laughs> is it guinea or jinny? Ah, fucking no. I think it's Jenny. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> There's a mirror. That's a Jenny who lives among humans. There's a Shaitan. He's a malicious and rebellious Jen. And then you got Madrid, a stronger type of Jen. There's like 12 more of these Jens. I'm not going to read them all. Karen. But my favorite one is called Ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking ghoul, dude. <laughs> Generally evil. And he lives in the desert. You fucking gangly ghoul. Uh, here's one called the diddler. Excuse me, boo-boo. The a diddler. Gin, a, a gin that frightens children. The boo-boo. The boo-boo. A boo um, okay, we're going to skip ahead and talk a little about, about Buddhism. So, um, B-O-O? Buddhism. Buddhism. Happy Halloween. Ooh. I see what you did. Uh, well, they affirm the existence of hells peopled by demons who torment sinners and tempt morals to sin, uh, who seek to thwart their enlightenment with a demon named Mara as uh-huh. a chief Great. tempter, prince of uh, darkness. So Ooh, HR lady's name. Awesome. Great, grand. Um, we're gonna talk about the Hindus fucking real quick. Ruby and Carolyn on there also. We're gonna talk about the Hindus real quick. According to Vedic scripture, um, they include a range of spirits. You've got the Vetalas, the Rakshashas, the Buddhas. <laughs> hey, you want to chat one? The Pishnakas, the Rakshashas, Rakshashas, Rakshashas. <laughs> you look like fucking Rakshashas. <laughs> Rocktober. I no, like... you look at like Austin Powers when you say it. Rock, Rock Lobster. Rock Shashash. Rock Shashash. <laughs> anyway, they could be classified so as demons. And uh, those spirits are souls of beings that have committed certain specific sins. And then, of course, you just go back to uh, the Zoroastrianism. And uh, it was basically all about, all about Ahura Mazda as the force of good. Spenta Manu will eventually be victorious in a cosmic battle with an evil force known as Angra Manu or Harim. So awesome. There you go. Wow. I this all came Bring. From, thank you for ending the Simpsons episodes. This all just came from demonology. Wow. So I mean, here's the thing. When a guy at Warren presents himself as demonologist, yeah. you gotta fucking Demonology. You gotta you gotta read up on that. Sure. I guess somebody does. Well, not me. Back to the show. Let's talk about the Warrens' um, child, uh, grand grandkid. Okay, because he's in the dock. Oh, great! And he says, "My grandmother had a different um, experience." So we see Ed and Lorraine in this vintage video, and Lorraine says, "I hear laughter, and I don't Ed laughter." Lorraine, I don't quite understand. I can hear it. Ed, is it male or female laughter? I mean, I can't understand why all of you don't hear it. I hear it. It's so loud in here. Well, Chris says, he said, well, if you want to hunt tigers, you got to go to where the tigers are. So next we see Ed and Lorraine, and they're in this grainy uh, video, and it appears that they're hovering over a bed with a young woman screaming in what looks like an exorcism. Okay. Wow. So you could see this isn't their first show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, Chris says they didn't have any like level of fame until 
And then we hear a female TV reporter. A young man murdered in cold blood. His father, mother, four brothers and sisters, because voices told him to do it. With that grueling beginning comes a bestseller, an emotion picture, the Amityville Horror. Ah. So apparently the old Amityville Horror is what made Ed and Lorraine. Now, the Amityville Horrors... Uh-huh. Copyrighted by anybody. Well, first of all, it's the whores and not whores. Horrors. So, yeah, it's copyrighted by these guys that wrote the book. Oh. Well, we see them, Ed and Lorraine. But if it's like a real story. Well, it doesn't matter if it's real or if it's fake. If you write the the fucking story and copyright, it's your story. It doesn't matter if it's real or it's fake. We just call it the Amityville. You just tell us the same story over again. We're going to get to it. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about the Amityville. Oh, there's... Oh, I, okay. All you got to know is Ed and Lorraine, they get around. Yeah. Okay? They be faking lots of shit. <laughs> Not just fucking... <laughs> they fucking... They're like the pawn shop of scary shit. Ed, we see Ed and Lorraine on the show, and Ed says, Lorraine and I have been in hundreds and hundreds of haunted houses, and we've interviewed numerous people all over the world, and on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd have to say that Amityville was a 10. Well, according to the grandson, Chris, the Amityville Horror was one, the one that went international. That's the one where my grandparents became world famous. It's funny how something so horrifying can end up becoming a blessing. And it really did help a lot of the families afterwards. Well, do you remember the old game show, To Tell the Truth? No. Okay. What is it about? It's... uh, Is that with the black dude that dances and shit? No, it's Steve Harvey. No, I was thinking <laughs> of Wayne Brady, view. Wayne Brady. Oh, you're thinking Flip Wilson. I don't know who I'm thinking of. Okay. No, to tell the truth was a game show, it was a panel show where there were okay. like three other people. It's kind of like, what's my line? And you have to, somebody's on the other side and they ask you questions and you have to tell the truth and they guess which person. Oh, you are. right. Okay. Sort of remember that. Yeah. So um, Alan says, Debbie called up the Warrens and Ed answered. Uh, Debbie said who she was and can you help us? Ed said, has David been seen by a doctor at this point? And we said, no. And Ed's like, do you mind if I bring a doctor with me? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so they, tells me he's not going to be a doctor. So they show up in a Chevy Chevette. Ed Warren was a, show up on a Chevy Chevette. Was a really nice man. He's reassuring and confident and he definitely made us feel safer. Well, Arnie, uh, he says, Lorraine was so gentle and precise in her words. Judy said, now Judy's the mom. It was a little confusing. They don't tell you that Judy's the mom. You kind of have to figure it out yourself. Judy's the mom. And she says, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to meet you guys. Well, the doctor took David aside, took his blood pressure, stuff like that. He was, uh, you know, being tested psychologically, proven to be a completely normal kid. And David says, Dr. Tony never said, that I was off my rocker or anything like that. He said I was a normal kid. Well, Alan, that's a middle child, he says Ed and Lorraine were cautious talking to us. They wanted us to answer some questions, find out what was going on. Well, next we see on the title, the following audio was recorded between the Warrens and the Glatzels in the summer of 1980. So we hear Ed. David, give me your full name. Uh, David Michael Glatzel. Okay, how old are you, David? 12. 12 years old. What do you think about all these things, David? You like, you'd like you like it to end, right? Mm-hmm. 
you'd like it to end? Mm-hmm. You don't want it to go on, do you? No, no. Okay. There was one violent scene here that Lorraine told me about. It was more than one. That's Judy. She's in the background. More than one. Oh, my God. It was all night. Okay. So, in other words, it was a very hectic night. Oh, yeah. But, see, we can't tolerate no more, really. We're not lying to you because, you know... We need all the help we can get. Believe oh, me. Boy, that's never a good unprovoked we, question. We want to get rid of this thing. So Alan says, my mom was so helpful that this would be a cure-all. She was so hopeful. She wanted her family back, and she wanted to go back to the life we had before this. And Ed says, these people are telling us these horrible stories, but we have to ourselves experience this before we accept it. We have to see it. We have to feel it. We have to know it's there before we say, yes, this home is haunted. So they play the recorded audio and we hear Judy. He told David he wants his soul today. Ed, what, what did he tell you about your soul? And you hear young David and he says, says he just wants my soul. That was it. Uh, is he here now? Well, Alan says, Ed's like, let's see if it shows itself, you know, if it's got so much power, it needs to prove, you know, that it's here. And Ed, in a flashback to being interviewed, he says, I have to provoke what is there through religious provocation. Now, being a Christian, I would use the name of Jesus Christ. I would use holy water. I would use the crucifix. Now, this may seem dramatic, but this is the method that the exorcist and the demonologist uses. <laughs> I provoke until I can witness physical manifestations occurring. Well, Alan says, Ed, Ed said, if you have the power, I need you to knock on the table three times. Well, Arnie, he says, all of a sudden, sounded like someone took a sledgehammer trying to break through the kitchen floor. The entire kitchen started to shake. The lights were flickering. Everybody felt it. Ed looked at David and he said, does this frighten you? David goes, I'm afraid because he wants to hurt me because I'm talking to you all here and we're all going to be punished for this. And at that point, Lorraine starts walking around to David. And <clears throat> Lorraine says, going into a home, I'm there to discern through vibrations, walking throughout every room in the house because there has to be a law of attraction. The spirit has to be attracted to one member of that particular household. Well, according to Alan, she leaned over to him and whispered, there's a large dark mass standing next to that little boy. God. It's evil. Oh, God. Arnie says, that felt strange to us. <laughs> we couldn't see nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about this lady. Ed and Lorraine spoke to my parents. This is Alan. This is not a ghost. This is a demonic entity. It's going to be triple the price. <laughs> <laughs> we take Visa MasterCard. American Express is a 4% just surcharge. <laughs> I just have to call over to my agent real quick uh, and make sure it's okay. We don't accept two party checks. I'm <laughs> uh, okay. sure we can split it up into two feet and two. David says, it really scared me. The whole family was just scared because we had no idea what was going on. 
Well, according to Chris McKennell, that's the grandson, he says, you know, my grandfather had this idea that hauntings, they progressed in five steps. It starts with permission. Oh, he's got a whole fucking five step. He's got a whole book ready <laughs> it for it. It starts with permission. There's two kinds of touches. There's good touches and bad touches. Oh, no. Show me on the demon. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. Don't do that. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Thank God. I can't believe it. I thought really there was like a touch thing in there. No, it That's starts, crazy. starts with permission. <clears throat> Consent is what we would call it, I guess, these days. Yeah, baby. Something I don't know anything about. Somebody does something that allows the paranormal to take a foothold. Foothold. Maybe it's a Ouija board or a seance. <laughs> Or whatever, then you have infestation. Mm-hmm. That's where the spirits. I've got infestation. Are in the home. <laughs> have you seen my feet? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just but ex- no, you're not. I've seen your feet. No, but external. I pee on them. They're fine. To you completely. Just a ghost, or you know, a loved one comes to visit and wants to let you know they're there. That's not. That's that's normal. Then you have oppression. Not normal. That's when an entity is starting to take over your free will. But you're exhibiting much darker impulses, much more negative behaviors. In incredibly rare circumstances, it moves on to complete, you guessed it, possession. Fucking possession. That's where you're no longer there. You're not in control. Your body has been taken over completely by something else. Well, Alan says Ed felt strong enough from that first meeting that David was already in oppression stage. And Arnie says Ed explained to us that the demon would be causing David to act totally different, controlling his thoughts, sending messages through him. He would become more volatile. Alan, Ed Warren had seen this many times before. He said... You're going to have to contact the church. My mom said, we did. We tried. And Ed spoke up and said, no, I will help you do that. Your son's too ugly. I'm sorry. (laughs) Can't do anything for you. (laughs) You guys need to start documenting this and collect as much evidence as you can to present to the archbishop. And the archbishop of Bridgeport would would make the decision as far as what we're dealing with. Well, Arnie says, I thought this stuff isn't real. It doesn't happen. It's only in cartoons and movies. And the rain warned us how serious this really is. Don't take it lightly. Protect yourself because you never know what can happen. Well, Alan says, my mom took out our audio tape recorder. My sister brought out a Polaroid. And we started keeping records of everything from that moment on. We were on summer vacation from school and no one was sleeping. Well, back to a little TV show host. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Two candidates for the Republican nomination of the presidents of the United States, former Governor Ronald Reagan of California, former ambassador, and then you hear Alan. We were keeping our turns, taking turns, keeping an eye on David. Back to TV. Well, (laughs) whether we like it or not, it is our responsibility to preserve world peace because no one else can do it. So weird. So what happened there is the filmmakers made a choice Uh to distort 
Ronald Reagan's speech on the TV. No, really? <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. That's fucking pretty funny. So Alan Glatzel, he says, but then David started acting really weird. Well, next, we see family photographs and audio recordings that were made by the Glatzels. Because remember, Ed and Lorraine are like, we're going to need proof. If we're going to the arch, we got to fucking take all the proof. Yeah, we got to make sure that fucking, that AB knows what's up. Yeah, he's like, this all has to be documented. So that arch base. These, pi- these pictures and audio recordings, they're from 1980, okay? Um, and according to the film, they are shown probably for the first time since 1980. Well, we start with Judy. David! Oh, my God! You will die! You will die! What? What are you? What are you? And what do you want? None of your business! David, Mommy's here! <laughs> Mommy's here! Come on, get up! Get up! Let's go. Let's Shut go. Shut up, you slut. <laughs> no, no. I am your mother. You're a douchebag. You will die. Don't do. Don't do. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. David, you just get up. My God, get up. Well, Debbie joins the party. Call the priest, Mom. <laughs> Have him come to the house right now. Judy, get out of my son. No. And then young Arnie Johnson, he's there, and he says, leave this boy alone, Debbie. Here, here. Young Arnie Johnson again. I'm trying. I got your arms again. You fucking cocksucker. (laughs) Young Arnie Johnson just starts saying prayers. All of them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Then we hear this. (laughs) And the family, they're all trying to restrain him, right? They're all, like, one's got, Arnie's got an arm, mom's got a leg. Mm -hmm. They're all spreading out. Alan says it was terrifying. Because yeah. of all of a sudden, he'll start screaming and fighting, and there's no one there. All right, Father. At, slip right in. At one point, we were able to capture on film his hands, and they show it, and he's like holding his hands in midair, like he's fighting somebody off that's invisible and choking him. And he was squeezing with all of his might to get these hands off from his throat. Now, we see this picture. It looks fucking creepy. It's a Polaroid. Mm, yeah. Well, young Arnie Johnson... <clears throat> You know, he's screaming, leave this boy alone. Leave this boy alone. Like, okay. Modern day Arnie Johnson. We had the chills up and down our spine. It was very frightening. And we didn't really know how to handle it. Well, David says, I remember being choked, but I don't remember anything else when I blacked out or if I even blacked out or what happened. Nobody could answer that. Well, Alan says it was mentally draining for everyone, but it just kept getting progressively worse. He was physically violent with everyone. He tried choking my mom, my sister. It would last for a few minutes or a few hours. We would take turns sleeping in shifts. We didn't want to be isolated. We knew that if we were alone, our chances of attack were exponential. Well, Debbie, remember, she's not a honey badger. (sighs) You didn't see this shit. It looks like a honey badger. 12 would talk to fuck you up, dude. Debbie... From 2005 speaking, says the whole family was getting... They usually getting, knock them out pretty good, though. 
Right. As you're watching this, mm -hmm. when Debbie's interjecting on the retelling, it's from 2005. So you're like, Debbie's going to get it. Yeah, Debbie's, Debbie's dead. Debbie, we're gonna, Debbie's going to die at some point is what I'm thinking. Yeah. The whole family was getting physically attacked, she says. Yeah. We were saying prayers constantly. We figured if we said the prayers louder and louder, it would go away. That's always it. You're not being loud enough with your yeah. prayers. Yeah. Well, Alan says... You the God, most, make me a bed so I can fly far. Fly. Alan okay. says the most difficult part for my mom was the fact that my dad wasn't standing behind her on this. So this is interesting. Okay. Because... They hadn't talked about the dad at all. Dad's like, this is fucking bullshit. Well, you see a picture of dad, and he's wearing a hat, and the hat just says, fuck off. So you, I just assumed dad was wow. like, fuck you guys. I don't I'm have time. Home, dude. Yeah. No, I'm not going home. Yeah. I'm going to the bar. Yeah. You guys deal with this demon shit on your own. Oh, like that. Yeah. Oh, he was shit. just like, fuck you all. I'm not involved in this shit. Wow. Because that's the first time they mentioned dad. Wow. So... Dad's like, they're fucking gay shit at the house again. Or he's just they're like, this seance. is bullshit, you know? I know, I get it. She felt alone. My father at this point thought David was just having a mental health issue. Thought we were all feeding into it. So it kind of just, he kind of just locked himself away. He was working two jobs and he'd come home and sleep. Things change. We went from having a normal family dinner to him working constantly and not being home. It took my dad a while before he realized what was going on. And by then, you know, it was too late. My mom called up the Warrens and told them what was going on. Well, we hear more bits of audio um, of the recording, and it goes a little something like this. You have Judy starting out. I'm your mother. Dad! Don't do that. <laughs> and then another recording with just Ed and Judy. Uh, he doesn't know who was doing it. Does he blink his eyes? No, nothing. They absolutely just stay perfectly still. If he was conscious, his eyes would blink, right? You mean if he was unconscious when he did this, when this happened? Well, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, okay. Well, Alan... He says, Ed and Lorraine told us that David was under possession. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris McKinnell, the grandson, says, after possession, ultimate goal, <laughs> it's the destruction of the family. <laughs> and finally, death. You're being killed or somebody else is murdered. It does happen. But he's still alive. Yeah, but uh, David uh, is. At uh, what cost? Uh-oh. David's still alive. Uh-oh. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Judy. Sacrificial Judy. And this is from an audio recording. She says he went behind Alan. It's because her name is Judy. He pulled this out and uh -huh. we see a knife. Wow. And he goes, I hate everybody. Oh, no. And if every, anybody goes near me, I'll kill you. Wow. Anybody. Wow. This is getting good, dude. Damn right it is. Well, uh -huh. Alan says, my mom panicked right then and there. <clears throat> she thought something was going to happen where her son would kill himself or commit murder. Oh no. She was like, we need to stop this now. Ed Warren said, you're gonna definitely need an exorcism. <laughs> that was probably yeah. the most frightening thing. Yeah. Well, Ed says, and this is on tape, we are like a supernatural police department. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> we have to bring the culprits. It's lost all credibility. We have to bring the Especially culprits. Especially with the sound of like that New York plumber's voice. Well, it's kind of how we talked. We have to bring these culprits to the church. 
We have to bring the culprits to the exorcist. This is why I say when the dynamic, the demonic and evil spirits <laughs> fight dirty. <laughs> no, my cousin Dominic. When the demonic and evil <laughs> spirits, they fight dirty, you have to do the very same thing. Well, Alan says the church didn't give out. Ex no, he says this, which cracked me up. The church don't give out exorcisms like candy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't uh, really... They don't any, give candy out like candy either. I don't realize the amount of paperwork you had to go through to get an exorcism. It's a really big deal. <laughs> well, time to meet Father Maximos of the Russian Orthodox priests. Is he the right. exorcist no, lawyer? No, he's a modern day in the, in the, <clears throat> the doc. He's a modern day Orthodox priest. Talk to our public exorcist defender. He'll fill out all the paperwork for you. He says the request process for an exorcism in the uh, Roman Catholic Church is not necessarily easily easy, especially back when Ed and Lorraine were in their prime. In my experience, there's a lot of clergy that do not want to deal with this stuff. They don't want to deal with the internal forces, and they're afraid to step foot in those homes. So I could see where people turn to people like the Warrens because their own clergy have rejected them. Now, time out. <laughs> if you sign up for the priesthood, this is your fucking job. Sounds like they think it's bullshit, not uh, that they don't want to do it. No. Sounds like, <clears throat> sounds like, no. Sounds like they're like, I'm not going to steal this poor person's money. No, they're genuinely afraid. <laughs> okay. And my point is, All right. if you're a man of the cloth, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, it's basically like getting drafted to go to Nam. You show sure. up, okay? Sure. You pull out your holy water. You get your crucifix. More like going to man. You watch. You watch. Maybe you watch The Exorcist to pump yourself up for it. But you prepare. Yeah. You know, I guess so. That's my take. You fucking, you, you spear yourself with holy water. Buddy, you, you take a shower in it. You fucking. <laughs> you like, jump in the little fucking tub when you walk in the doors. Wash you your know? face in your neck. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like the idea of a church, uh, a clergyman taking a day off because he can't handle the heat. You know, if this is what they're all about. I don't know. And they recognize this stuff. Show up. Some are not willing to they're not strong enough yeah Chris. they're just like no no that's that doesn't fall into my job description i yeah. just pass out the books and fuck kids ah fuck 12 hours <laughs> i only get paid 300 bucks fuck that yeah i'll be in the rectory practicing psalms yeah all right i don't know that just kind of pisses me off sure well father maximus he says you're called to do this and you're called to help those people well, growing up in the Roman Catholic Church, angels, devils, these things are entrenched in the belief system. But I always sort of questioned the reality of these spiritual forces. So I was very open and looking for the evidence to see if this truly existed or not. Now, here's the other thing. You got fucking Father Maximus, a modern-day priest. He says, you know, I don't know if I really believe in this stuff. So it's like, I don't understand this concept. Don't you have to believe this stuff if you're going to be a priest? Isn't it like... No, I just... That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> they don't fucking believe it. This thing is bullshit. Well, At Ed, least they think maybe he's bullshit. <laughs> well, Ed Warren says, Now people can poo-poo the whole idea of ghosts and haunted houses and devils, you know, all they want. But the devil does exist. Many devils exist. And a skeptical public is the best protection that uh -oh, the I'm devil fucking, that the devil I'm has sh i'm shilling for big devil 
<laughs> I must be shilling. Well, Father Maximo says, working with the Warrens was certainly intriguing, somewhat exciting. I saw how real this is and how dangerous it could be. Well, Alan, he says, the church realized by all the evidence we had gathered that, yeah, this is the real deal, and they need help. A cardinal from the Catholic Church showed up. They dressed completely in red, um, and he drove a red Porsche. <laughs> so it's good to be in the church, you know? He met <laughs> Jesus. with the family. They just... I wonder what his license plate says. <laughs> <laughs> it's like XRSM. Something like that. Exorcism. Um XRS, XR. I see what you're doing. I think the audience can understand it. He met with the family. <laughs> he decided we have something here that needs to be fixed. Well, let's go to September 2nd, 1980, one month later after the priest shows up. Great. Alan says the Catholic Church gave us authorization to perform a minor exorcism. Okay, this is a little one. Yeah, it's, yes. <laughs> I guess there's no. Like, it's an exorcism on minors. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's different grades to this. Yeah, yeah. It's called the second, third, fourth, and fifth. <laughs> um, they invited my family to St. Joseph's Church in Brookfield. I didn't think anything really a minor exorcism. <laughs> it must be. It must be to perform on a minor, right? That's why I, I made the second, I, third, fourth, and fifth grade joke. I can't. I can't imagine there being a small exorcism. All right. I didn't think anything really bad could happen because I'm in the house of God. No, God's in my house. This is great foreshadowing. Okay. Well, Arnie, he's the boyfriend of Debbie. He says the priest. Father Virgilac warned us. <laughs> Virgilac. Virgilac. He said these exorcisms, they could be so intense that death can happen. And that was very frightening. Yeah. But we didn't have a choice. Well, Father Virgilac, we see him in a recreation. Wait, is it Virgilac or Virgilac? He's a Virgilac. Okay. I like Virgilac. Virgilac. I think it might be Virgilac. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Well, according to Alan, these exorcisms, they start out like regular... According to Alan, these minor exorcisms, they're just starting out like a regular mass. Right. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And David, he says, I just remember being there in the church, and they said the prayers... That's all I remember. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses. Well, Arnie says all of a sudden the whole room, the temperature dropped ice cold. We immediately realized something was wrong. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Mm. Within minutes, Mm. David's behavior started to change. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Fat neck, pork chop. You'll die. <laughs> Fat dick, huh? Fat dick, pork chop, you'll die. David shook and shuddered. His features changed. 
You're watching this body jerk from side to side. Fuck your shit and your shit. Then he would break free and start to attack Father Virgilac. So we had to pin him down. I remember holding onto his leg. Ed's holding onto the other one. He'd move his body in positions that you shouldn't be able to bend. Mm. Well, Arnie says, as I would hold him down, I would tell him how much Jesus loved him. Well, you hear Judy, you're weak. Jesus is a lot stronger than you. You, you are so weak. God, this is God's child. You can't hurt God's child. Jesus is going to die in hell. Mommy loves you. I knew that this was the final blowdown. He needs a crucifix. You can give it to me. It's been blessed. That's Arnie, of course. Arnie had taken the crucifix and placed it on his forehead. Well, he puts it on the forehead, and you could see it sizzle. Okay? Oh, come on. Father Virgilac, he says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Arnie says at one point, his tongue swelled up so much that he couldn't breathe. He turned blue. Everybody's screaming. We got to stop, man. You feel helpless. You're empty. I yelled at this thing to the top of my lungs. I said, leave this little kid alone. Take me on. I'm here. Take me on. I felt this coldness come over me. Ice cold. Lorraine said, oh, my God, what did you do? And Ed goes, you can't do this. Well, that's a major no-no, Dave. Did you know that? You don't challenge any kind of demonic entity ever. And Alan's like, we didn't know better. He thought he was just trying to help David. And my whole thing is at this point, if that's a no-no, didn't, why didn't Ed and Lorraine say, by the way, we're in the middle of this, don't say, hey, take me instead. Well, oh, shit. Yeah. <clears throat> can, well, it, can it be in two things at once? You're going to find out. Now, Chris, <sighs> he says, this is the grandson. I'm in two bitches at once. Look at this. I remember my grandfather saying to him, you shouldn't say that. That just opens the door for you to be attacked. And he was right. Well, Alan says, but we felt it was over and that David was exercised. According to David, he says, I remember I was happy. I spent a lot of time just playing outside, trying to be a good kid, be the good old boy of the family. My mom, she baked, fed us, kept us happy. Well, Alan says, we thought we were going to have a new start, but it didn't work out that way. Time to meet local Connecticut detective, Glenn Cooper. I was aware that there was strange things, demonic things allegedly happened at the Glatzel house. Some of the police officers had gotten notice, noise complaints. There was something. I was a detective on duty and Ed and Lorraine came to the old police department on Gray's Bridge Road. Ed Warren introduced himself as a demonologist. And Lorraine Warren introduced herself as a psychic. God, it's fucking... Lorraine was upset. Bunch of tricksters. She went on to tell me that during one of the actual exorcism, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson challenged the devil to leave David Glatzel and take him on. Oh, boy. Lorraine was very upset about this. She says he should have not have done that. You cannot do that. He does not know what he's up against. And she said, I see serious injury or death with a knife. She wanted to put us on notice that a crime could occur. That she actually, I want to make it clear. She said, 
I see this happening as a psychic. She was matter of fact. She didn't look bizarre. She didn't act bizarre. I thought she was relating what she really believed. And to her, it was real. And lo and behold, apparently, it was real. Well, Alan fills us in with a little backstory. At this point, Debbie gets a job in the kennels in Brookfield. And she wants to go start a new life with Arnie. And Debbie, in her vintage 2005 interview, she says, I'm a dog groomer. My boss was Alan Bono, who became a friend of Arnie's and mine. Arnie and I ended up getting an apartment, and the apartment came with the job and so on. Well, according to Arnie, we were really excited about being able to live together. We were able to take a deep breath and let things calm down after all the trial and tribulation we'd just gone through. We felt a sense of relief, like, oh, it's finally over. It's over. Now we can go get some peace. Well, we see Lorraine in a TV interview, and she says, remember that when you challenge the demonic, it doesn't act at that particular given time. It waits until you are the most vulnerable, and then it strikes. So we're going to move to February 16, 1981, five months after the exorcism. I wasn't even born yet. Arnie says, I didn't feel that well when we got up that morning. David and I felt a little ill. We traveled down to Bridgeport to pick up my sisters because we had plans on that weekend to spend some time with them. We got together with Alan Bono at lunch. Now, remember, he's the fucking kennel man. Yep. And they're leasing the apartment from him. Right. And we had a couple glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. But Started you could swinging. see that Alan was... Spit roasted my wife. <laughs> you could see that Alan was getting a little inebriated. Uh-huh. And I just said to Debbie, I looked at Debbie. The devil and, came out of it. And I turned and I said, Deb, why don't we just leave? I think it's a good time to leave the kids and or leave and take the kids, uh, the girls out of this environment. Mm. Nothing bad was happening, but he was just getting a little boisterous and this and that. And I didn't want my sisters to be around that. Well, we started walking down the stairs and then I personally don't remember anything after that. Whoa. Well, David says, I think it was maybe seven or eight o'clock at night. And I remember the phone rang. Hello? Well, my sister's on the phone crying. Before she could say anything, I had a vision of a man dead. And then you hear Debbie on the phone. David, get mom. Get mom. Well, Alan says, the next thing you know, within 10 seconds, my mom's screaming. So I'm like, oh, God. She told my dad, get in the car. We got to go to the kennel. David told me that Alan Bono's dead. How? What? What are you talking about? David said, Arnie. Cheyenne Johnson was possessed. It's the beast. He killed him. Well, back to Connecticut, mm-hmm. detective. I think I, uh, Debbie's doing some shenanigans or kind something. Kind of feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I got a call from dispatch. I was told that there was a serious stabbing. We're calling all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. Deborah Glatzel told arriving police patrol that Arnie and Alan had been drinking. Mm -hmm. In the apartment, there was an argument, and it developed into a physical fight, ended out on the lawn, front lawn, the kennel, about 13, 15 feet from the front door. Now, during this fight, Arnie pulled out a knife that he had in a sheath, 
and he repeatedly stabbed Alan Bono. Wow. Alan Bono fell mortally wounded. Wow. Debbie Glatzel, she was very distraught. Well, she relayed that Arnie took off into the woods and that she thought he was going to head to the family home uh, on Oak Road, uh, which is not very far away. Well, David says, I just had this image of Arnie, and I could see him heading towards my house in Brookfield. And then I knew right away Arnie was possessed by the devil. Mm-hmm. Well, Alan says, my brother panicked. He's dragging the bureau with me over to the door. We've locked the door and secured it with a bureau because he's like, he's coming to kill me. Never in my life was I afraid of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Not at all. But when David told me he was under demonic possession, I was scared shitless. Well, Glenn, the cop, he says the ambulance driver returned from taking Alan Bono to the hospital. He saw a suspect match in the description. He called the police department and they took him into custody. We see a picture of Arnie on the ground, in the pavement, hands cuffed behind his back. Wow. Well, Alan says, if it wasn't for that ambulance driver, I, or my brother David, would be dead today. Whoa. My brother, brother, okay. They were at home. And this is when... Why David? Because David had a vision that Arnie was come... Because remember, after the stabbing, Arnie disappears into the woods. Yeah. Well, David at that moment says he had a vision of Arnie coming to kill him Whoa. and his brother Al. Sick. Well, Trippy. Glenn says I was assigned to process Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. I took his fingerprints. I gave him uh, his rights per Miranda. <laughs> he just <laughs> what a fucking goof. <laughs> this guy belongs in my cousin Vinny. <laughs> he just looked like he was in trouble. Been involved in a fight. Rights per Miranda. Disheveled. Things weren't right. Well, Arnie says, I was totally exhausted. I couldn't even stand up. And I was on this bench, and I asked him, I said, why am I here? What's going on? Uh, What's going on? And he said, well, you just killed your friend. Oh, fuck me. I said, I did not. I totally didn't believe that. I said, you're totally wrong. Alan's fine. We We left the house. He goes, nope. He did. And you killed him. Oh, fuck. Well, Glenn says, there was no crying. There's no, I'm sorry. It's, I just don't know what's going on. He couldn't recall anything about the murder. Well, Arnie says, I never hurt nobody. Never. I've never been arrested for anything. So, and I said that to them, and I said, there's no way I did this. You got the wrong person. Let's check in with Father Maximo, shall we? Mm Mm-hmm. In the case of David Glatzel, where Arnie Johnson became possessed as a result of his assisting and in challenging the demonic entity, mm-hmm. this is a possibility. I've seen this in the literature. They call this transmigration. Mm-hmm. And this is where a diabolical spirit might go from a possessed person to someone who is maybe present during an exorcism. We got some headlines. Mm-hmm. A defense attorney in Connecticut Seen a million times before. will try to prove his client is not guilty of murder because the 19-year-old defendant allegedly said he was possessed by the devil at the time of the killing. Wow. 19-year-old Arnie Chine. How do we Johnson. put our hands on top of that Bible? What does that mean? We must believe something. I can already see it's, it now. It's so perfect that you it's, said uh, that. And I'm going to get to it in a second. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> 19-year-old uh, Arnie Johnson, with no previous history of violence, is charged with the knifing murder of his landlord, Alan Bono, and claims he was possessed by demons at the time and doesn't remember doing it. His lover, Deborah Glatzel, who was there when it happened and whose 11-year-old boy was said to be possessed, gave her an account of what happened. Well, we see Debbie in the interview, and she says, I did not see no stabbing take place. I was right in the middle of it. Um, what did you witness? Um, just a lot of pushing and shoving. Then what? Pushing and shoving and shove <laughs> pushing and push shoving. Well, and then all hell broke loose. Well, Arnie says, Debbie felt that it would be proven. Felt very positive that we were going to be able to prove, prove demonic possession. After what we'd all been through, <laughs> real brutal problem. It should tell everyone that the devil's for real. This is They're slam believe dunk. Us. Slam dunk, dude. We got this, dude. Don't. I mean, we got all I the mean, Polaroids. We got. Uh, did anybody get the sizzling cross on David's head on tape? You don't. You don't put your right hand on the Constitution. You don't put your right hand on an encyclopedia. You put your right hand on the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Each and every one of you of this jury is a God-fearing American. You'd be a great attorney, Dave. Oh, Was that your closing argument or your opener? <laughs> I don't even know. But let's meet the attorney of record, shall we? Uh, Johnson's attorney was named Martin Manella. Um, and apparently he made no uh, mentions of demons in the courtroom. I'm assuming this is at oh. arraignment uh, or early on. Well, we meet Martin. Yeah, they're serious. They're just like, nah, murder. Sorry. We Well, this is his defense attorney. Yeah, yeah. We oh, meet I Martin see, see. Manella, and um, he says, until we have the results of the pathologist report, our own pathologist report, and the autopsy, we can't do anything. Well, they show him present day, and he says, I was not a believer in the paranormal. So before I really got too much involved, I said, I want to do some research. Ed and Lorraine Warren told me it wasn't Arnie Johnson himself. It was the demon who took over Arnie's body and killed Alan Bono. My partner thought they were crackpots and said, listen, stay as far away from this case as you can. But I wanted to hear more. Back to the news. Outside, it looks like a quaint New England home. Well, we see a sign that says New England School of Demonology. Inside, it resembles a set from a Hollywood horror movie. It's a museum documenting paranormal activity. And Ed and Lorraine Warren say everything you see comes from real events. And Ed says, you're in a building right now which houses probably the most dangerous items of pre-natural nature in the world. Pre-natural nature. Uh, oh, excuse me. Of pre-natural... <laughs> Preternatural, <laughs> preternatural, preternatural, preternatural nature uh, in the world. Preternatural, preternatural. Uh, Martin says, down in the room where they had all these artifacts, there was a doll that said underneath it, "Don't ever touch that doll." Okay, yeah. The doll's name was Annabelle. Of course, it is. Well, side note. This comes from our amazing re research department. Yes. Annabelle is an allegedly a haunted Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. 
housed in the now-closed Occult Museum of the Paranormal Investigators mm. and Lorraine Warren. Mm. Annabelle was moved there after yeah. supposed hauntings in 1970. Have you? Yeah. A character based on the doll is one of the antagonists that appear in the Conjuring movies. Mm. You ever seen a Conjuring movie? Nah. Yeah. Not into scary movies. I've seen parts of Insidious, and I've heard those Insidious story. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, Martin's like, I need to hear some of these tapes. Okay. Stay there. No, no. Well, he says the Warren showed me the evidence they had, and to me, it was very credible and believable. Okay. okay. <laughs> I believed in the story. I believed in the pork chop deck. There's fourteen people in this guy's city. <laughs> sounds like I believe him. We drank every day together. <laughs> I believed in the defense. I'd even follow him to the home from the bar and gave him a DUI just to show that I wasn't showing any favors. I also believe there was probably not another lawyer in the States that would represent them with the demonic yeah, defense. Sure. You have to use the demonic. Why can't you just use regular old lawyer defenses? Why do they have to use a demonic one? Well, what else they got? Well, I guess there's. I guess everybody's saying that. Yeah, I mean, he physically killed her, but it wasn't him. <clears throat> well, not according to Debbie. She's like, I, I didn't see anything, and then all hell broke loose. I think she's referring. I mean, how she to was, the demon? She, she was there the whole time, wasn't she's, she? Yeah, she said nobody stabbed anybody, but all hell broke loose. That's her testimony. This bitch is fucking stabbing <laughs> McStabs a lot. <laughs> Fuck this bitch, dude. The devil, like the devil made me do oh, it. Oh, Debbie's in jail. That's why she's not in the fucking stupid video. Mm, I can't, can't say. Okay, okay, okay. The devil made me do it. That's precisely what criminal lawyer Martin Manila says he will try to prove when his client comes to trial. Well, Martin says, the nature of our defense is one that has been used in England. I mean, I would look, look, be like, look, look at this fucking family, dude. This motherfucker's crazy. He's not saying to stand trial, okay? This stupid idiot thinks he's been possessed. Fucking retard. <laughs> That's what he should really do. You think he should have just argued then, like, for a lighter descent? Si excuse me, they... side, sidebar, sidebar, sidebar. Mm -hmm. And then he and then he comes like back. Legalese? Oh, yeah, my on mm. your honor. My client was possessed. He's going to fucking kill me unless I say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go back to sidebar, sidebar, sidebar. <laughs> Look, you gotta just, you gotta just put him in a sand sign. Listen, lock man, him up. He needs lithium, um, lobotomy, it's, something. It's attorney-client privilege, and uh, that whole thing about like, um, you know, uh, being uh, honoring your client's wishes. I know he's fucking nuts too, but I have to do this. Yeah. So just bear with me. Look, they by say the, way, the kid's fourteen. Honestly, I think he's got one of those diseases where he looks really old. It's progeria. Yeah. He's probably got progeria. Yeah, yeah, he looks really young when he's really. By the old. way, you know what pisses me off about progeria? What's that? People that try and raise money for it. Why? Because there's only fifteen of them in the world. That's like trying to raise money for like NBA stars or something. It's 450 of My them. whole point is, I, I feel bad for these 12-year-old kids walking around in 90-year-old bodies. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's cute, though. It is kind of cute. cute. And, not and only their that, caskets are kind of cute, too. Well, Little baby caskets. Did I ever tell you I, I grew up with a progerian? No. Okay, so yeah, we're, we're sidebarring, but we could sidebar we're in the courtroom. <laughs> yeah. So there was a progerian that I grew up with, and um, 
you know, hey, it's my cousin. Hey, Virginian. No, it's like we would play football and he would like grab our pads and all this stuff. Okay. You know, he's a water boy. Okay. You know, we, oh, let, I see. we let him put on the pads, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we couldn't like tackle him because no. he was a 90 year old body. Right. 90 year old body. He was like 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the I'm point. Bones. Is, I guess the point is the diddler. Like, yeah, he just he just convinced everybody that he had progeria. <laughs> he's just a really six-year-old man that just like likes to look at little fucking 14-year-old dicks. I guess my point is I oh, did some research oh, and it's extremely rare. Yeah. There's only like at one time, it's like those kids that are allergic to uh sunlight. You know about those kids? <laughs> Vampires. No, like it's a real thing. Mm. They can only play at night and shit. Wow. It's like a skin condition. Interesting. But the progerians are the same way. Well, I mean, they could play at night and day. They're yeah, just not going to play in night and day for past very the age long. of 15. <laughs> very long. So, <laughs> only, only a few nights and days. Anyway, I remember somebody soliciting me for progeria, uh, you know, you, you research. You put on a list. Research. Yeah. And I was okay. like, I know one of the 15. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to sound like a dick, but... You just give money straight to, the, to them when you I know just them. give that kid that money. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, like... Why are we spending the money on this? Yeah, can we cure herpes first? Something that like affects yeah. all of us? Well, I not agree. me, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, sidebar's over. Okay, great. Poor, poor progerian kids. Anyway, an indictment against Arnie Johnson, who lived upstairs. A progerian nationalist bombed the Citadel today. <laughs> okay. An indictment against Arnie Johnson, who lived upstairs here, is expected March nineteenth. Already three cases have been tried in England, two on charges of arson, one on rape, the verdict in all cases, not guilty by reason of demonic possession. So that kind of blew me away. So the, wait, was that the verdict? No, that's you being baked and not listening. No, no, okay. So that's the, that's what they, that's what they, okay, go on. There was some, but there was two trials in England where somebody got off on rape and (laughs) arson by claiming demonic possession. All right, so it's fucking, it's in precedent. England. There's precedents in England. Yeah. So The motherland. Um, well, back to Mike Allen. He's the local news director, and he says, in my 15-year journalism career, he says, this was the most bizarre story I've ever covered. Lorraine and Ed Warren, known as longtime students and lectures on Masters of Cult, the Warrens argue it was the demonic influence now inside Johnson that drove him to kill. Well, Mike says the whole issue of demonic possession from a reporter's perspective is terribly difficult because you can't prove it. You can't disprove it either. The best you can do as a good reporter is to try and find facts. Well, six days after the stabbing, I was introduced to the warrants. We had made arrangements. They were going to let me have some audio tapes and uh, I'd be free to put these on the radio station if I wanted to do that. Good afternoon. This is Mike Allen, WINE News. That's Wine News. Has <laughs> obtained some rather dramatic tapes said to be associated with the so called devil made me do it stabbing death in Brookfield. Well, Arnie says, and we hear it, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I command you to leave this boy. The cross is right on your forehead. You can't hurt God's child. Jesus is going to die in hell! (sighs) (sighs) Mommy loves you! 
doesn't really do that. Doesn't really die out like that. No, that's just me. Okay, okay. That's just me. I need to know if there's gonna be like. Oh. <laughs> well, Mike says, "Come closer." I'm at. I'm anticipating that we're going to get a lot of phone calls and people are going to say, what did you put this on the air for? You're horrendous. But most of the callers were, hey, when are you going to play that again? Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to play that again? I really like that part when he was like. I it. So anyway. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Well, it's a small town, man. There's not a lot going on there. Sure. You know, you hear something come on your AM dial like that, you know, you're probably going to be like, oh, shit, this is better than War of the Worlds. So anyway, people are saying, when are you going to play this again? And I'm getting mail from the other side of the country, and it's psychics and people in the paranormal field offering their services to me. So then you would get the non-believers who are like, are you fucking kidding? There was drinking. There's stabbing. This is an open <laughs> there, and shut case. There was drinking. <laughs> there was stabbing. Why are you even giving this airtime? This is ridiculous. Uh-huh. On a visit to Creating the murder support. site, none of the neighbors, including a priest who was involved in the case, wanted to talk about it. Well, Mike says, I did reach out to priests who were... Uh, at the so-called exorcisms. So what I said to them was, look, there are allegations that during the ceremonies, furniture was flying around the room, um, that there was levitation. Um, I'm asking, all, all I want you to do is just say, this is nonsense. It didn't happen. And then we can all go on our way. Well, they wouldn't say that. Well, then we see a TV show host, and it says, Ed, what do you say to somebody who says, I just don't want to believe any of this? And Ed says, well, I would hope you weren't on the jury. We came back. We came back up this, we can back up this case history with numerous other case histories, which we've been involved with, and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that pre- natural <laughs> phenomenon was taking place here. Now, it's time to check in with Carl Glatzel. Okay? Petranial. Pre-natural. Preternatural. It's impossible it's to fine. say. Preternatural. Well, we hadn't heard from Carl in a Let's long Carl. time. Mm -hmm. Now, Carl's the eldest right. of the brothers. Right. And he says... My youngest is fucking crazy. You got to take her ass out of here. Photos look super just happy. Joking. Just joking. I mean, I can't argue with you, but there was a different I mean, there's side. Something happening. There's yeah. a different side when those doors closed. I can yeah. tell you that much. Mm -hmm. We were far from a quote normal, happy American family. <sighs> My mother had her agenda. If things were going her way, she'd throw a tantrum. In front of people, she tried to portray herself as a holy roller. We are going to be a clairvoyance family, not an exorcism family. <laughs> and all this other stuff, but that was not even close to the reality, okay? She didn't even go to church or any of this stuff. 
she never went to church until all of this stuff broke out. And when Lorraine Warren stepped in the picture, that's when everybody came like, oh, we got to wear scapulars. One of those. Look it up. I think those things are the things, the collars. Look it up. I don't know. Okay. We got to uh, we got to wear rosaries. And I wasn't buying it. I was 15 when my brother was supposedly oh, possessed. They're like these little Catholic, um, like little square. They almost look like uh, frames that go around your neck, I guess. Oh, those are the things you like hang you over? Sh- you hang and it looks like there's one picture of Jesus or there's yeah. like an insignia or like a prayer on it. Yeah, you open it like up, cloth. there's a little piece of chocolate in it. No, <laughs> it's not a, what do they call this advent thing? Calendar. No, it's not an advent calendar. <laughs> it's very much looks like that though, like each individual day. Yeah. Scapulars. Scapulars. Yeah, Catholicos. Well, keep in mind, this is the first time we've heard from Carl since the beginning of this thing. Okay. He was the older brother. Didn't have too much on him, I guess. And he said, I just wasn't buying it. I was 15 when my brother was supposedly possessed. I've never talked before on camera about any of this. And I just want the truth to come out because an innocent man got killed and they want to play it off. The devil made me do it. It's just so far from the truth. Wow. I know it because I lived it. Wow. What a fucking rat motherfucker. We need to kill this prick. July 14th. Stab another motherfucker, I think. July 14th. Dave, give me that knife. (laughs) (laughs) We got one more job to do. Oh, you don't think we're real, huh, Carl? You're going to fucking die, Carl. You want some more of this, Carl? Wow. Anyway, seven. it's July 14th, 1980. I was five on my mom's birthday that day. <laughs> seven months before the murder. Six years and Dave will be born. Of Alan Bono. Well, Carl says, I was outside and Ed Lorraine arrived. Ed Warren, he says, what's going on here? And I said, honestly, I think my family's nuts. Mm-hmm. I remember saying to Ed, I don't know what Ed and Lorraine... Warren's agenda was in the beginning. This kid was fucking 15 years old. He would have ratted on his family for a fucking bowl of cereal, dude. Sugary, sweet cereal. But you got to remember, he's saying this 40 years later. I know. He says, listen, I just sat back and watched, and things just didn't sit right with me. Well, we hear Ed on an audio recording talking to young David. What would you do uh, if you were in charge? Well, Carl says they'd sit down at the kitchen table to discuss David's issues. More from the recording. You don't like those things, do you, David? No. Ed? No. Those things make me angry. You don't want me to get... Okay, all right. They were saying, well, he can start cursing at you, spitting at you. He'll grunt and growl like a savage. And my concern was, why not talk about this subject um, when we're sitting right here? Why talk about the subject while we're sitting right here? Have the kids go outside, okay? Yeah. Go downstairs, go play, you know, get them out of the house. But they wanted to make sure, you know, we heard it and we did. Like you're leading them on what to do. Well, from the recording, we hear Ed. What kind of things did he do when he um, wasn't David? Spit, swear, started to swear. That's his mom, Judy. Yeah, he's leading them to say that. It's kind of shit. Arnie says he swore a lot. 
And Ed says, swear at the priest? Judy? And me. Yeah, a law was directed at me. Well, Carl says, you don't think David's smart enough to put that together? A couple of days later, David was doing just that, word for word. Okay? So we're going to hear another sequence, and it goes like this. All right, son. You... You fucking cocksucker! I'll penalize you! David, stop Wait, I'll it. penalize you? Yes. Okay. David, stop it! You goddamn deserve to die. You don't deserve to live. David, David, calm down. You'll die, you fat friggin' fucking bitch! Note, he's spitting, okay? He's spitting on her. Carl says, in the beginning, the Warrens did come over a lot, like every other day. The first week, I think they showed up every day. Mommy's here. Mommy's here. Come on, wake up. Come on, get up. Well, every night they had the cameras ready, according to Carl. Get out of my son. The microphones were ready. No, no. I'm your mother. It turned into a show. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> David, just get up. My God, get up. Come up. Get up. Instead of focusing their energy on helping David record him, you know, everything could have been done differently. There was one incident, one evening, that my mother was screaming at David. Stop it. Stop it and calm down. Just stop and sit down. And he, and he started calling her everything under the sun. You fat freaking fucking bitch. Wow, and freaking and fucking, huh? All of a sudden, my father came out. You don't deserve to live. David, get up. And then you hear a slap. And it's David's father. Get over there and sit down. He goes, now I said to stop. This is the dad that wears the fuck off hat. Yeah. Enough. He actually fucking slapped him. No more. It's got to stop. Well, Carl says, sure enough, the devil sat down and was very quiet. Yeah, if he got slapped like a little bitch. So uh, I'm glad at least he, the, devil the devil listens to my father. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, or, or the night of the murder, rather, my dad and I were working outside, and my mother screamed, we have to go to the kennel. Something happened. Debbie's hysterical. We get there, and Debbie's like, oh, there was a bad fight. Alan got stabbed. He's over there. I saw Alan laying on his side. That's when I went over to him and rolled him over. Keep in mind, I'm 15. I don't know what I'm doing. I never had to deal with this in my life, and I remember seeing four stab wounds. It was four. He was gasping for air. I just kept telling him, Alan, hold on. So you know what you're going to do? It's like... What are you going to do? You, you're stuck. You know what I'm saying? It's just not a feeling I like to, you know, I don't even like to talk about it, to be honest with you. It's something I don't want to remember because it was just something you can't help somebody. You know, it's like, there's nothing I could do. It just, it's just sad to see somebody die like that. The murder of Alan Bono. I never even thought it was connected to David. There's nothing demonic in this. Arnie was very possessive of Debbie. There were speculations and rumors 
that Debbie was having an affair <gasps> with Alan Bono. <clears throat> oh no, that fat fucking. I remember. Fuck. I remember Debbie Glatzel. This is Glenn Cooper. Came to the police department. And she said, "You know, I'm hearing a rumor that this murder was over a three-way, a triangle between myself, Alan Bono, and Arnie." A little bit of a spit roast, you might say. <laughs> Spit roast that pig. And she says, it wasn't. She says, I had a relationship with Alan Bono, but that's over with. And this... Oh, God. This stabbing, this murder had nothing to do with it. Of course it didn't. Here's the thing, though. She used the word murder, and that really jumped out at me. Oh. So if you were going to use that defense, you can't call it a murder... Because then you're... By God, you're right, Johnson or Watson. You're basically saying you're acknowledging it was a murder. No, wait, Watson. Don't worry about it. A bizarre murder trial gets underway tomorrow in Danbury, Connecticut. The crux of this case is a claim of demonic possession. Jim Van Sickle reports. Hell of a reporter's name for this Van Sickle. Will the devil be present in this ancient courthouse in Danbury, Connecticut tomorrow? Might he take the stand at some point? Carl says, I did not know that the trial was beginning. And on the first day of the trial, my parents actually gave me money. So I could basically skip school and go do whatever I wanted to do for that day. They were petrified of me getting this involved is the brother. in the story. Right? This is Carl. Yeah, okay. Because I knew. It was all bullshit. This was all fabricated. Wow. And we are going to leave it there. Wow. And we will pick up next week. Hanga. And then we will wrap up the conclusion of the trial. And we will release yep. the verdict. Or if you guys don't like being screwed over by me, you can go and watch this on yeah, Netflix. Go watch it. And then jump into us next week where we will not only discuss the verdict and the trial, but the aftermath. Wow. And um, we've got a lot, a lot of fun stuff we're going to get into next week because, of course, you go down a rabbit hole, you're going to find uh, on, a, on, a, on a devil murder case. Yeah. You're going to find some good stuff, Double Dave. murder. No, I mean not devil murder. Oh, devil murder. Devil murder case. Or a Peter, 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 natural. Yeah. Natural. <laughs> so, Dave, Pitural. I know we're only halfway through. <clears throat> Can you wait a week? To find out what happens, or do you think you're going to wow. watch this? This is a first, right? I think I'm. I think I'll be fine. I think I'll be fine. Here's the thing: I get scared when I watch these things. There's no way you should watch this. You know why? Ah, uh, okay. You know why? Why? I just did a better performance. Wow. There's no way oh any God. of you should watch this. No. Even when I tell you oh. it's an amazing document docking. And I'll blow my load a little bit. Uh-huh. It's a three and a halfer. Wow. It's a three and a half docker not for not me. Not a four, though, huh? No. No. The voices didn't do it enough. No, it's just so well shot. That's good, The though. recreations. Three and a half's great. And, you know, it is that time of year. It's Halloween-y. So today That's is like Halloween. It's like a Mission two and three quarters. Yeah. Michelin. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, obviously, we're going to wrap it up next week. But don't forget, listeners, this is... Uh, entire schedule this month of November is our Halloween month. Yeah. So you'll get the wrap of, of this episode. And then the week after that, 
we uh, we're going to do another Halloween episode. Damn right. So we'll tease you with that after next week's episode, and we'll let you know what it is. Roger now, Dodger, Dave. Yes. A couple shout outs around here. Yeah. Thank you, Sky, for joining the Discord. Yeah. Apparently, thanks. she and I share the same uh, cat butt coloring oh, book. Oh, how cute. And RSB68. Oh, I want to thank you so much, as always, for some of the best memery I've ever seen in my life. The They're best. so subtle, too. Like, like when he does the deep cuts, those yeah. are my favorites. The man without a face. But again, he is a mystery man. I think I'm going <laughs> on three years not knowing who yeah, this person no is. no idea. But um, he's one of the best contributors uh, I, I've ever met. In, in best my, guy to have on your side. Yes. So thank you, RSB68. Thank you to Broccoli Farms for your continued support of the show. And we will... Uh, Dave, you have any announcements? No, nah, man. That's it. Are you going to be able to sleep at night? No. This is the... By the way, listeners, this is the part of the show Dave hates the most because he thinks I'm going to wrap it up yep. and I don't wrap it up. Nope. So one day I know I'm just going to be talking in the yeah, middle of it and he's just going to cut me off.